Hello everyone, I'm Ellis Traub and this is Money, Business and More. Welcome back to our discussion with our friendly banker, Victor Gonzalez Galliano. Let's talk about the process. Let's start with what SCORE provides uh, recommendations for mm-hmm. in preparation for going for a substantial loan or for a loan with the bank. Mm-hmm. Because what I want to do is get the client from the point where they don't know anything about what they have to do to the point where they have prepared a suitable business plan and then present that business plan to your loan officer and your loan officer can then present it to the loan committee and and, uh, and go on from there. Mm-hmm. So that process, at least from my perspective, and I don't want to do all the talking here. I could do that by myself. <laughs> But it's it's to start with a mission statement to know exactly what you're doing, focus on what you want to do, convert that mission statement into a feasibility study for your own preparation, to do the market study and do all the things that are required in order to satisfy yourself that it's a feasible operation that they will fly. And you do that by overestimating your expenses, underestimating your income, making sure that you can justify your estimates of income and so on with market surveys, market studies, with data that you get from organizations like the Census Bureau, etc. And finally, coming up with a feasibility study that matches where you want to be in five years with how your business would grow with reasonable estimates until it's five years old, if it meets your needs. From there, you would develop a full-blown business plan which then is a, uh, a description, a narrative of what you want to do. And it also has a financial element to it that displays in columnar form uh, the growth of your business and where you expect it to be. And that's what you would present to a loan officer. Does that work for you? That's a, that works perfectly. Um, okay. You know, uh, the important is that there is a balance between the objective and the subjective. A lot of times we... We put an emphasis on the subjective because that's what we know. And we fail to give information or, or keep the balance with the subjective, the financials, and making sure that those financials do make sense. And although some of us may have an understanding and a know-how and think that, that it may be sufficient, it is always advisable to have a second pair of eyes to look into it. Someone that has the numbers in a good place. Uh, those individuals that can really look at the numbers and determine whether they're making well, sense. By this time, you should have an accountant. Yeah. So it would be your accountant that you would ask to precisely, do that. I would, I would precisely. Precisely. And if we go back to score, you know, uh, it, it's, it's having a mentor that perhaps we can find an accountant that can look and see, at least give you mm-hmm. a second pair of eyes that can question where do you get this number from? How did you come up with that number? So you're very prepared. So by the time you're presenting it for a loan review, you know the answers to the questions that may come up as opposed to having go back and forth because you don't know the answers to the questions. All right. Well, this raises some interesting issues. I've got my business plan. I'm ready to go in to talk to the loan officer with whom I've established a relationship. Now, how important is it how he presents himself, how he physically looks, uh, su- uh, superficial and cosmetic appearances. Are those things at all important? How they impress a load officer? Can somebody come in here with baggy pants, dirty shoes, and get a, and be as likely to get a loan as somebody that comes in dressed as nice as you are? That sounds like a movie. 
In the real world, yeah, in well, the that, real world, that's what we're talking about. We have world. the individual in front of us. You, we live in Florida. You may come in in flip flops, or you may come in with your suit. At the end of the day, we're going to go by the facts. Your looks may be good for you. If it makes you feel good, more power to you. <laughs> However, at the end of the day, what the banker and the underwriters are going to be looking for is to make sure that the objective and the subjective being presented in front of us makes sense and, and we're going to mitigate risk in such a way that we're going to feel good about the solution that we have to offer. And if we don't have a solution, what are the things that can be done so you can we can help you achieve that goal that you're looking for. Okay, well, that raises that raises yet another issue. I agree with you that a cognitive bias on the part of a loan officer doesn't pass through to the loan committee, I would think. But the loan officer is the first filter. Is that not his role? He looks at what's at hand, and he's the one that decides whether it moves on to the loan committee or is rejected for some reason or other. Is that correct? No, it's incorrect. Because, and if I understanding your question correctly, we have no power to deny or approve. And we must, by law, put all, all the applications through, regardless whether we think we like you or not. Oh, is that right? Regardless of whether we think you're going to so come in and flip flops. So a loan is not a filter. So when, I, when you say loan officer, you know, I can be considered a loan officer. Um, the banker who is taking the application, if that's who you're mentioning as a loan officer, you know, it, that individual is just passing on the information now to avoid that bias and to avoid a potential discrimination and to avoid the, the bias of one individual. This is why there is a, a, a team of people involved with different set of skills so we can all look and figured out in different ways, still following our guidelines of risk mitigation as to what we can or cannot offer to our particular application regardless. Because the reality is, by the time it gets to the loan coordinator, by the time it gets to the actual loan officer that is going to decide yeah or nay, the customer is only presented by the subjective and the objective on the application not by the individual in front of okay, you. Okay, so in a sense, uh, that loan officer is a filter only insofar as he filters out any opportunity for cognitive bias, and his job is to be administrative and to make sure all the I's are dotted, the boxes are checked, and he's done whatever it needs to move on according to law. He has no opportunity. There are minimal requirements that are necessarily to be met and answered on an application before it goes forward. All right. So that will be someone in the front end. And then it goes to a second person and is going to double check, make sure that everything was done. If there's any questions, then that banker is going to be contacted or the client is going to be contacted if additional information is needed okay. because it's not making sense. Then like in the financial part of it, then we're going to need tax returns or we're going to need financials, P&Ls, and so forth. So we want to create a great package. So by the time it gets to 
the loan officer, he or she has all the cards on the table and can make up the best solution for the client based on the cards um, that have been given to him or her. It's like a puzzle per se. Then he's going to have the pieces of the puzzle that if they're complete, then they're, he or she is going to be able to determine what is the best solution that can be offered for that client. If anything is missing, then most likely a decline is going to come in. If, for instance, capacity is missing, and what I mean by capacity is maybe debt to income ratio is too high, uh, and if that's what, that's going to be one of the pieces that is missing, then most likely is going to be declined because of debt to income ratio because capacity is not what it needs to be. So what does the client need to do? Pay off some of your debts, continue to manage and credit what it needs to be, and reapply at a time where it's going to be more feasible. Okay, now that introduces another question. When it comes to options, you mentioned that the loan officer or the underwriter is going to be able to come up with a variety of solutions. Now, do those solutions, are they remedial, are they corrective? Or are these things that are recommendations or are they uh, um, just just how much latitude does the underwriter have in trying to create solutions that will enable the supplicant for that loan complete his loan? Yeah, so there's there's a great deal of latitude in that. So because we still got to be within this box of guidelines, if you will. But just to give you an example, if um, if a small business owner comes in and says, we're, we we want a $50,000 line of credit for working capital. Okay, that's the request. That's what the client thought that he needed. And then in, in identifying what is on the table for the underwriter, he, uh, and this is an unsecured person, signature like you, okay. like you call it. Um, the underwriter may come back and say, well, I'm unable to give you 50 unsecure, but this is what I'm going to do. I see that you have machinery that is paid for in your business. So we're going to put a lien on that and it's going to be a counter offer. I'll give you 30,000 lien on that and then I'm going to give you a 20,000 unsecured on a credit card. And so that would be the underwriter's Counter offer. And so the loan coordinator will call the client and say, okay, I understand you're looking for 50,000 unsecure. This is the solution that we have for you based on, on the cards that are on the table. And so we're gonna, we're gonna counter offer at $30,000 with a lien against the machinery in your business and a $20,000 unsecure credit card. Will you accept that? And the client when the client accepts that, then we'll move forward with that kind of offer. Okay, now that, that, that unsecured of the credit card, what does that entail? All of the them. question really, Victor, is I, I, I don't understand how the two different things mesh. I understand where you have collateralized mm-hmm. $30,000, $30, but ro- what role does the credit card pay in that? So, so in, and thank you for clarifying. So there's... So there's an initial request of fifty thousand, right? 
and they count it off on one product, which will be the line of credit. Okay. Okay. But instead of doing one product or one solution at 50, we're going to do two. One at 30, which will be a line of credit. You may not go above that 30. And one at 20, which is a credit card. And you not, you cannot go above the 20 on the credit card, but it'll still be 50 availability to you. So you can spend, you can put all your expenses on your credit cards, uh, your gas, uh, you know, whatever expenses you have and whatever working capital you're going to need, you can manage it better with, with the line of credit, if you will, if I can make that recommendation. Nonetheless, the client has still been approved for a total of $50,000. I got it. Um, Good. Credit. Excellent. Uh, Speaking about lines of credit, I know that there's a a tendency to use a line of credit and not be, let's say, well enough educated to recognize that once you've used it up, you're back in the same shape you were to begin with. It's just that you have interest payments to pay everyone. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest to people who have lines of credit to help them manage that better? Cash flow. So you got to look at how the cash is being managed. Because if you're telling me that you're overutilizing your line of credit, then what I hear you say is that you still need additional cash, that you're still short. So why? Why are you short? Is it because your clients are not paying you on time? Is it because you're having checks return? Is it because you don't the only way you take payments from clients is by check, not by direct deposit or by credit card acceptance. Why? So once you get to the root cause of how is that money coming into your business and how you're managing your cash flow, then we can determine the reason why you're overusing your your business line of credit. And from there, try to figure out what the solution is. Yeah, well, I, I actually, it's how you're managing your business. Because uh, the obvious answer is if you're bringing in less than you're paying out in expenses and you're using your line of credit to cover that difference, then you're headed for a rail train wreck. Precisely. It goes back as to making sure that you understand the ins, ins and outs of the business and undoubtedly and you know you gracefully share your the mistake that you made in the past all of us have made it the reality is business owners can be experts on what they do in the business but they may not necessarily be experts in managing their cash flow or managing their business that's why it's going to be paramount that they have somebody that understand the numbers very well yeah, well, I agree with you. That's often the case in businesses that are having problems uh, bringing in enough income or, or keeping their head above water. It's because so often get into a business where their skills are in line with what they produce, whether it's creating something or services they provide, but not having a knowledge of, of the business end of it, not understanding they need to market in order to bring in their income and and how they can cut their expenses down. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Did you know that you have access to a personal mentor to help you with your business issues? Whether you're starting a new business or trying to improve the way an existing business runs, 
You'll find them at SCORE.org. This is the website for SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's an arm of the U.S. Small Business Administration and consists of thousands of volunteers in more than 300 cities across the United States. And the best part is that their services are offered at no cost to you. At SCORE.org, you can enter your zip code and find a list of local mentors, each showing his or her areas of expertise. And you can schedule your own appointment at a convenient time and location. SCORE also offers a variety of regular workshops presented by professionals in their fields. You can see a current schedule of those events and pre-register on the spot. Some general classes are offered free of charge, while others have a modest fee, which is usually discounted for pre-registration. Check it out! SCORE is the place to go to find someone whose experience may be just what you need. Well, Victor, this has been a very, very uh, uh, interesting and helpful session. Uh, I don't know whether we've covered all the bases or not. Uh, one other question I had, uh, someone asked me the other day, well, I understand that there are times when money is short, recessions and times when banks have policies that make funds less available. Am I correct in saying that banks always have money to lend because that's the business they're in? And if they didn't have money to lend, uh, they wouldn't make any money. Therefore, is it fair to say that all that differs is in how well you qualify for those funds? It's fair enough. The funds are there. Banks are in the business of making loans. And you said it best. Um, it, it's fair. It's fair game when you're best qualified uh, to, to be able to, um, to get those funds. All right. So a corollary of that might be that in bad times, competition for those funds is keener. Therefore, it would follow that the better a business plan that you create, the more work that you do in order to provide a modest and rational and reasonable business plan, the more likely you are to get those funds when you need them. And in fact, to surpass your competition who might need it as well, but you can compete for those smaller amount of funds by doing a better job with your business plan. Would that be? That, that's fair, because then you'll be better prepared to understand the reasons um, behind it as to why you, you would or you wouldn't um, qualify. At the end of the day, as a business owners, the banks are business owners. So would you turn around the application and say, so will you give yourself this money if you were in the position to give it? Well, that goes back to the issue that I'm so fond of talking about, the money being a token of what you receive in return for providing something of value for someone else. That's what people who are going in business have to learn, that it's the value they provide other people rather than what they get that's more important and that sort of entitles them to the business. And you can do just like you said, turn that loan application around and say, are we providing value to the bank for the money we're asking them to, to lend us? Are we capable of giving them the interest on that money because that's what they're there for and earning money with their money? And is the right thing to do to say yes or is the right thing to say no when it's appropriate? Exactly. At the end of the day, uh, the whole idea is that we are positioning our, our clients to be successful. So if at the time of the application, it is the right thing to do and, and it makes business sense, Let's shake hands and go do your thing and be successful. 
and come back and continue to let us know how good you're doing and how we can be of help. Okay. There's, there's one other thing, probably more other things. We could go on for a long, long time here, and I'm enjoying this okay. uh, thoroughly. But there's one thing I've often heard, and in fact, I've voiced it myself, that banks will only give you money when you don't need it. It's only when you need it, you can't get it. What's yeah. your thoughts on that? Well, you're, you're, you're so right. But the reality is that we need to understand that in our business environment, credit is very important to our success on an individual and on a business basis. So when you are in a good cash flow position, that's when you ask for your loans. That's when you ask for your line of credits. Not necessarily because you don't need it, but because you're being proactive as to what could potentially happen. And I'll give you a perfect example. We live in this beautiful state of Florida, and we are walking into hurricane season sooner than later. What does that mean? Roofs are going to be gone. Uh, damage to our cars may happen. So I can wait until it actually happens and then go to the bank, <laughs> rushing with a million other people trying to get the same thing, right? Yeah. So I can repair my roof because the insurance company is delayed because they also have a million people to deal with. Or I can be proactive and say, I'm in a good position. I know my house is paid for or I know I can get a line of credit on my home. So I'm going to go get it. Should there be an unexpected circumstance that I need to be taken care of, such as a hurricane. So when that happens, when everybody else is in the rush, I can just have the roofer come and change it and pay it myself because I know that my insurance company is going to pay me sooner than later. So I can just cover that, but I'll have peace of mind that my family is taken care of and I don't have to be in the chaos of not being prepared and anticipate. Well, I think <laughs> there's a difference between needing money and needing money. Yes. If you need money because you're behind the eight ball, because you're you're behind, your expenses are excessive and so on. So many people go in and want to borrow money when they needed to bail themselves out without going through a plan to figure out how exactly they're going to do that. It makes sense to the bank. So a bank has got not only a reason, but a right to demand that somebody, when they go looking for money, don't hold it against them because they won't give it to them if they haven't shown in many ways that they have the ability to pay it. Absolutely. I've talked a little too much myself during the course of this, but again, I'm enjoying this. Um, uh, one last thing. Uh, we've covered a lot of territory today, Victor, and I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Is there anything that we've failed to cover any advice that you would give to somebody that, that uh, would represent people about whom we've been talking today? So, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it myself. And if there's one thing that I want to leave you with is to encourage people to get more educated about uh, choices. Someone once said, life is about choices. Choose wisely because the choices that you make today make a difference in people's lives tomorrow. So I add it. So we have choices. Do your homework. Find out what's best for you, what's best for the company. There's plenty of organizations. Don't go by the, I went, I want to go there because I've been going there for the past 10 years. Well, maybe 
in the past 10 years, you've been going there and it's the wrong place to go to, to begin with. <laughs> so, do the homework uh, from the convenience of your home <laughs> uh, on the computer. Uh, just find out ratings, find out uh, solutions, find out who can be the best um, the best provider for, for you based on the needs that you have. And, and the last thing I say is, who is your banker? And how is your banker educating you and helping you succeed in the business? And if your banker right now is not helping you, I urge you to look for one that is looking after you. Well, this would be a very good opportunity to thank you for taking the chance, the opportunity to come and uh, talk put in a plug for your for your institution so if you'd like to make a a short commercial for your bank feel free well you know the reality is you know i i do it more for the opportunity to educate people i know you do so and if they find me let it be it so let's start with score because score is a good place to start to get educated and from there we'll take it I happen to work for an organization that values the, the importance of the work that we do and that gives us the resources and the opportunity to be able to share that knowledge with others. And that's what excites me about working for PNC because it allows me the opportunity to go above and beyond um, for my clients, not just be the cookie cutter banker where I just do what I do and then have a nice day. I get the opportunity to hear their dreams, to hear what their short plans may be, long-term plans may be, and then I can share with them my ideas, suggestions, or recommendations as to how to make them. Well, Victor, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for giving us of your time and uh, your expertise. We hope you do it again. Thank you for the opportunity. 